0: The Floor Academy podcast is sponsored by Tralama, the trade labor marketplace, where businesses can find skilled trade labor, such as flooring installers, and where flooring installers and other skilled tradespeople can find permanent or project work. You can set up your profile at Tralama.com, T-R-A-L-A-M-A.com, or download the app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. And remember, Tralama is always free for skilled trades people welcome to the floor academy podcast i'm your host kyle Hedin, owner of illustrious hardwoods in phoenix arizona we're here talking with flooring professionals from all across the country about the issues that matter to you i want to encourage you to learn while you earn this week's guest is sprig lynn sprig owns and operates universal floors in washington dc started by his father in 1953 it has had as many as 150 employees Currently, they are running around 40 employees and maintain the business through having great systems to keep everything in check. Listen in as we talk about why systems will make a difference to your business and why you need to have relationships with your fellow tradesmen and women. spriglin are you on the line
1: yes this is spriglin
0: awesome welcome to the floor academy podcast thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you for the opportunity
0: oh man well i got a fangirl a little bit here because when you called me i don't know it was probably like a week and a half or so ago it blew my mind you know i'm just some little guy out in phoenix doing something and you're like hey i I'd be happy to guest on your show, and I was like, "What? Like, how do you even know who I am?" So <laughs> that was that was pre- that was a cool moment for me, you know, just knowing that guys are out there paying attention to what's going on in my little corner of the industry.
1: Well, I, I love those podcasts, your podcasts, and many other ones. Yeah, when I'm driving down the road, uh, I basically don't listen to the radio. I listen to these podcasts, and I ran across your podcast, and it's fantastic. And I just love listening to people that have the energy and the knowledge. And they're talking, they're singing my song. They're (laughs) they're talking about what I know, what I love. And every single podcast, you pick up on something. Mm -hmm. Something. A different insight or an angle or just refreshes a floor guy. Mm Mm-hmm. That's yeah, fantastic. I, I tell you, I might sound, sound a little funny to some people, but I just uh, <laughs> I love those wood floors, I tell
0: you. I, I'm with you. That's, I mean, it exists because <laughs> I, well, it's, I wanted to be, look, I started a business and I was like, man, I don't know how to run a business. Like, I should talk to people that have been doing it longer than me. And I went, oh, uh, yeah. you know, I went looking for the the podcast and it didn't exist. So here it is. And now everybody just kind of gets to hang out and listen to a couple of floor guys talk and hear their insights and how they feel about different things. And so if it can help, you know, just, I want to propel the industry forward. I want it to be better than, than how I found it. I want guys to be able to, and gals to be able to be more successful. So, you know, I'm just trying to do my little part.
1: Well, well, back in the day, our our so-called podcast before it was such a word was Thanksgiving, any family family <laughs> gathering you know everybody in my family my cousins second cousins uncles you name it they're on they're the floor business or okay. a distributor or somewhere connected with the floor so that's all we talk about that's all we talk about is wood, wood floors uh, i'm sure so, your wives uh, were now. so happy <laughs> and, 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 and you know what we barely knew anyone out of our area Mm-hmm. We, we barely now is absolutely incredible you got instagram and people on facebook and you got podcasts and you got just it's amazing the information that you can pick up on that wasn't out there years back oh it's, yeah it's absolutely incredible
0: it's the the connections you can make now are are so much more meaningful i think and uh the the information spreads so much faster to get from one area to another. So, um, let's, uh, who are you? What do you do? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you you get into it? Why do you do it? Why do you love it? Like, let's, let's get a little background and then we'll, we'll Well, um, we'll move into the meat of it.
1: Uh, I was born in 1964 and, uh, my birth certificate says father's occupation. It says universal floors on it. So I basically walked into the family business. My father started the business in 1953 after he had a the day he turned 17. He went into World War II, fought the duration of the war, came out, went back to the 10th grade, finished up. And then he uh, went, went to college, University of Maryland, GI Bill. And uh, after he graduated, he went in the floor business. And uh, like many people, many people out there, if their father was a floor guy, most of them, their cousin, somebody in their family is a floor guy and say, come with me. Come Mm -hmm. on, we're going Mm -hmm. to work. And and most people stay in it somehow in some aspect of the flooring business. So uh, we have a family business in uh, Washington, D.C., nation's capital over the years we've shrank the business to 40some people uh at, at times my dad had a 150 floor layers in sanders it was wow. an army wow of people. yeah and and what he taught me is you got to have a process you got to have a plan and if you can get that process down and continually perfect it improve it Always improve it and change with the times. You can you can grow that as big, or you can reduce it as much as you want. But that process is there, and uh, it, it's fantastic. But not, big's not always better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the first thing someone said, oh, I'm in the business, how many vans you have? How many people you have? Bottom line is, how much money are you making at the end of the day, and how, how happy are you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can replace some money for happiness and some happiness for money, but uh, I believe there's a happy medium in there, and uh, that's what we strive for. We, we've uh, reduced our workload and take the path of uh, less jobs and more profit. Now, you can make it two ways. You can make it on uh, volume mm-hmm. or you make it off profit, or there's a happy medium. So,
0: you know, people got to make their decisions. Yeah. No. I, okay. So out of all of that, it's funny that you said we sh- we shrink it to 40 people. <laughs> most guys, <Well. laughs> you know, most guys running a company, right? It's like them and, and maybe an apprentice or two or them and like a lead installer and the apprentice. You know, it's three guys, four guys, maybe a couple crews. And you're just like, yeah, we shrink it to 40.
1: well i i I tell you what i I, i'd be happy with 25 okay but the but the the, you know you're always looking to improve what Mm -hmm. you have and uh and we diversify you know we we don't just do new construction we do historic restoration we do cosmetic touch-ups maintenance We clean and wax floors. We hand scrape floors. We do sports floors. We try to have a large portfolio. And uh, if one part of the industry dips down, we pick it up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But um, I I don't think the key is having more people.
0: No, it can create uh, more headaches for sure, right?
1: Yep. But if you get a system, you get a system down, you you can... uh, that's, that's the main thing because us floor guys fight the same thing, same customers, same issues, same problems, year after year, decade after decade. And if you don't improve on it, you're just going to keep – that's why uh, experience is a expensive endeavor. You don't learn mm. through experience, but your, your, your podcast, NWFA – And other people's knowledge is a fast track through less problems. And and you fast track on experience. And experience is expensive. Which that knowledge is out there is absolutely incredible what you can learn. As kids, we we were told if we were doing a complicated job, when someone came on the job uh, that we didn't know, we were to put our tools down, just greet them and talk to them and don't show them anything. Don't let anyone see how you do anything. Now they can figure it out. They can get on the computer, Mm -hmm. it's uh, (laughs) YouTube, you name it, and uh, see it. But before it was a big secret.
0: Uh, You know, I, I hate that that was the way it was. And I get it, right? Like you have your own proprietary ways of doing things and you don't want guys running off and taking what you're doing and then doing it poorly or stealing the work from you. But at the same time, if you're not passing that knowledge on, how do you expect the the artistry of the trade to survive? And so there's like, it's like this double-edged sword, right? Like you want to keep it to yourself, but if you don't pass it on, then how how, it just, it dies with you.
1: Well, with, with the NWFA, it's absolutely incredible. It is, there's a resurgence of very, very talented people. You look at the floor of the year contest, it's, they push the envelope every single year. And I believe in the last 10 years, the amount of talent in the United States is absolutely incredible, incredible people uh, just making most elaborate patterns. You know, you don't need a factory to make it. These people make it themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is it's it's incredible. I mean, I never thought it would happen. That's why I volunteered to teach for many, many years. You got to give back. There's a lot of work out there. There's floors in your state and Kentucky, Hawaii that I've never done a floor in there. Somebody's got to do them. Yeah. I can't do all the work. I don't want to do all the work. <laughs> but uh, you you raise that bar up, and uh, it, it's it's a good deal for everyone.
0: It is. I think it. You know, uh, there's. There's a problem, right? You know, everyone talks about the shortage of installers and young kids don't want to work and this, that, the other thing. And by being able to show off these floors of like, look, yeah, I can walk in and I can straight lay a floor. Okay, that's not that challenging, but I can take it to this level here if we make the trade sexy and we and we show off what we do right like let's show off the craftsmanship the artistry the creativity involved in it we can draw people back in and we can take it from being the commodity it's become i think in a lot of instances just floors people think floors are a commodity at this point instead of a luxury item and so we need to turn it back the other way and show them that no this you you don't need this but you can have it and there's a cost behind it and then we can command a little bit more respect
1: yeah i mean there and and the industry was pumping out so much pre-finished floors it was incredible and you know what uh, you know, people that just sand floors were saying this is horrible, this is terrible. But I said, look at job security. There's two kind of floors out there: ones that need to be sanded and ones that will need to be sanded. So all these floors are going to be sanded sooner or later. And they'll never invent some type of computer program that's going to sand or install a wood floor. They still need a human behind it. And it's a noble trade. It's a good trade. Uh, I I love it. I mean, when my dad started out, they were getting paid three or four cents a foot to hand nail cut nail floors. Oh man. They were supplying and stalling and sanding two and a quarter strip for 44 cents a square foot. I said, dad, how did you, he said, we just made a living. You you didn't get rich off of it. Mm -hmm. Now a guy can, or a gal, there's a lot of girls in this business. Now they can really, uh, make a, on good living but if they get a system down and they can emulate that system they can get one or two maybe they're comfortable with three crews Mm -hmm. because you can only physically work so much yourself you know you 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 gotta you gotta reproduce that and you can only be in so you you can't be a slave to your job i mean you gotta go on vacation gotta have somebody working for you Mm
2: mm-hmm
0: So, you you keep mentioning having a system, and I I love it because that's, I agree 100% that there has to be a set of rules you follow. And you, you know, there's the, it's the higher authority, right? Like you are an employee of your business. And so, this is how the business says it needs to be run. And you've established that this is what works for us. So, what are some things in your system that have made you successful?
1: Well, we we got, A certain amount of profit we have to make on a business. You know, some people just will cut their call, cut it, cut it, cut it, cut their price, Mm -hmm. get the job. We got to stay busy. We're not, this isn't really our hobby. It's kind of our hobby, I guess, but we're in it to make a living. So we set uh, uh, price structures where you can go in between a high and a low. But then again, we, we cost every job. So we know what our profit margin is Mm -hmm. on each, on each particular job. Now you got to average them out within we run the numbers once a week, then once a month, once a quarter As long as it's averaging out to what, what you know, your true costs are you're good. Some people are just flying in the wind. They don't know what their costs are. They never analyze their true costs. You know how much everything costs their overhead and another thing, We go to our fixed costs, our rent, our gas, our insurance, our Mm -hmm. workers' comp, and our supplies. And you, as long as you're not giving up quality, you try to shave those fixed costs. And most people get with the insurance company for 20, 25 years, 10 years, you name it, and they just pay it. Mm-hmm. They don't put it out to bid. Hell, when I bid a wood floor, sometimes I got three or four people bidding. Every other job, not every job is a blank check. Yeah, and guess what? We put our insurance out for bid. We bring the insurance agent in. What can I do to cut my costs? How can you help me? And they'll tell you. And I tell you, it's well, we have a lot of processes and and how we schedule the work and. Uh, you know, that's a, that's another, uh, whole another s- subject. Okay. And, uh, so it's, and then we, we analyzed a thousand jobs on, on the average, how long it takes someone to install or sand or finish or coat. And, uh, it's all about the numbers. We analyze the, the, uh, the information
2: mm-hmm.
1: now you can get a real simplistic and, uh, maybe take a different approach but most people just work they get paid and they see how much money they got in the bank yeah so and i mean look
0: if your bank account's fat and and you understand that that's not necessarily your money that's the business's money and you have to pull from it to pay your bills it and it continues to grow you're probably on the right track but you're right in that you need to know your costs. So, you know, if you're actually being profitable on every job and where you need to charge more, and you got to track the hours of how long it takes somebody to put in, you know, a hundred square feet of X type of floor. How long is it taking them to do the base shoe or the quarter round? How long is it taking them to do X, Y, Z, and you, you keep keeping track of it. So, did your dad teach you this? Did the business evolve more as, as you took over? Did you bring people in that were experts at this where,
1: you know, well, he, he, were, he, he obviously taught me his system and we have improved his system and we're always improving and changing with times, you know, with, uh, technology, mm-hmm. you know, they were mostly all with paper. I remember his first computer looked like the size of a, a piano. It was, it was <laughs> absolutely incredible. But uh, uh, it, back in the day, it was everyone was paid by the hour, everyone, and except for uh, salesmen, and they got their cut out of the of the profits.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so that's another subject. How do you pay your guys? How do you get production out of them? You can only pay somebody a certain amount of hours per hour. You only have a certain amount of hours per day. Now, some people will work hard and do a fantastic job at x per hour but somehow sometimes if you pay someone maybe a helper by the hour and the head mechanic by a percentage all of a sudden their production will go up and they'll work longer faster smarter Mm -hmm. so you have to determine how you're going to pay people some people go out just raw subcontractors and that isn't always the answer either you lose the quality you mm-hmm. lose control over it yep so it's uh it's it's if you get into a situation where you're not making money or you're you're pulling your hair out because you got a lot of problems get through those problems don't make that your business model find out what you did wrong when we make a mistake and believe we made uh we made more positive things than mistakes but when we make a mistake. We analyze that mistake. We want to know where we went wrong. We always re-sand a floor or re-nail a floor, but we want to know why it went wrong. Mm -hmm. What is the problem? Is it machinery? Is it the man? Is it the nail? And we analyze it and use it as a a learning tool. And please, just try not to repeat it. Too many times or you're going to go out of business. Yeah, If you can't pay your bills, you're doing something wrong.
0: There you go. That's that's the truth.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm
0: more impressed that you know, like your dad started the company and he put these. I, I mean, to me, they're simple business processes, but most people that go into the trades are good at the craftsman side, and they don't understand the business side. So, where did that come in for your dad? You know, why did you learn to understand that that was important and you've been able to carry this company on and forward and make it more successful?
1: Well, he, he was a business major. Okay. And he, he laid his first floor. He sanded his first floor. My mother and my father were the first two employees. So he learned the trade and he started hiring the, some Swedes, some Swedish guys back in the early 50s. They were good woodworkers, and he grew up from there. But he, he thought it was important, two things. One is, I want you to learn the trade first. I want you to know the trade better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Then I'll teach you the finances, and I'll teach you the office. And he's always said there's basically three wheels in it. You got your sales department, you got your guys doing the work, and you got your office staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a reasonable sized company. Some people do all three, but if you have all three of those clicking, you're going to make some money. If you got a great team out in the field and a horrible salesmen, you they'll do okay. Or a good office staff and you, your guys in the field are okay. And your salesmen are okay. You'll limp along for a while. But if you got all three clicking, you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. All three of them. It's you're you're going to be unstoppable, but you always got to improve. You got it. You got to keep improving. And we we uh, we improve through knowledge. See, we we embrace the old school ways. We still do a lot of the old school ways, but we also embrace hundred percent cutting edge technology. So you got to know both. If you have a foot in both worlds, you're going to get out of a lot of situations. Which, I think, a lot of people don't know the old school ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Their machine breaks down. That's it. They're done, or you know, they they've never had to cut wood with a handsaw or a face nail with a eight penny finish nail. You know, they, they don't know how to continue. But we we do a lot of uh, a reasonable amount of historic restoration, which is a whole another ball game. Which uh, I guess you got to be self taught for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's probably not a whole lot of guys doing historical restoration work, and then making sure that it actually matches up correctly with, you know, the the
1: times and it's, it's yeah. That's, that's it's going it's going to take standard. it's going to take four or five times longer than a a basic floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot into it, and it's it is fun, and and people are willing to pay you uh you y- you'll make more money, but you you can't have your whole business on historic restoration. I don't think there's enough work for you. Yeah, I mean, I believe that you got to be able to It's just like sports people. floors, sports floor people uh their heydays in the summertime. come winter they're starving mm-hmm. I mean we wax a lot of floors we, we thoroughly clean floors with those uh, new fancy machines that are fantastic. We do cosmetic touch-ups. Another thing is we we are building relationships, especially with uh, a contractor. Everyone's trying to get new business. They're not taking care of their old business. Mm -hmm. You know, good old-fashioned manners and friendliness doesn't cost you a dime. But people want to work with you. But if you work with uh, if you know a builder's good, they all got problems. I don't care who, who you are somebody's got a problem and we approach him by saying let me take care of your couple floor problems i'll make them go away if i make them go away we just want to get paid a reasonable amount we want to do your work so they all go well geez i got this problem i can't collect the money on this job and we go out there and basically do some cosmetic touch-ups or whatever we have to do and next thing you know we're doing that builder and if that builder gives you a reasonable amount of work, you, you could get hundreds of thousands of dollars from that builder in a, in a, in a period of time. Yeah. But everybody's always hunting for the new guy. You got to take care of your old guys too. You got to take care of your old customers. You got to take care of a customer each one every time. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause we don't really advertise barely at all. I mean, besides maybe social media. Yeah. And, and, uh, get your name out there. It's all word of mouth.
0: And I, you know, that's, that's a business model that a lot of guys are very proud of that they never have to advertise. Everything's word of mouth. They've had the same clients for 30, 40 years. And I I think it depends on the model you want to run, right? Like if you want to run a a couple showrooms with a bunch of salespeople and you want to be in different markets, like you're probably going to have to do some kind of advertising to continue to generate enough leads to keep, that many the amount of people you would need busy versus you're down to 40 people which is still a significant amount but you've been established since 1953 so you've got good word of mouth after what 50 70 77 years 67 years where are we at 67
1: yeah yeah it's pushing 70 but you know what you're only relying on your last job you you could do 50 years of great jobs, and you know, you not like you have a bunch of signed contracts waiting in the wings.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, you
1: know, you, you do your work, does back up to a certain degree, but uh, I, I think it's a working relationship. You got a relationship with your supplier, the manufacturer, people that make your equipment. We, we've found fantastic relationships with uh, you know, our, our Duraceal rep or or Bona rep, or Loba rep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Heck, half these guys will come out and work with you on the job. These manufacturers, which is fantastic. And they're going to show you how to best, you know, floor guys or or gals, should I say, too. They're they're creatures of habit. They're going to use what they're comfortable with, what they know works. So for someone to sell a new product, and that sales rep, where that representative of that product comes out and works with you hand in hand, that's incredible. That's some good grassroots customer service.
0: I agree. Show me how Mm -hmm. it works. Help me learn. And uh, let's let's build a relationship and then follow up on it. Go
1: ahead. No, I was saying we noticed a lot of our distributors in the past, not now, but in the past, to get that information out of them, it didn't filter from the manufacturer to the distributor to the floor person. It it, They just gave you supplies. They're getting a little better at it now. And then the manufacturers are connecting up with the end users now with the social media. It's absolutely incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I agree. Yeah, like, I... <laughs> I started when, you know, they were already coming out, meeting you on job sites, introducing themselves and like you, they made themselves accessible. And I, I get it. Um, The reps want you to experience the products and that way you can go to the distributor and say, why aren't you carrying this product? And you can get them, you, the the floor guys and gals can get on the distributor to carry the product that way. When the rep goes in to the distributor to sell their product, they're more likely to to buy it because even though we love it, if the distributor's not carrying it, that rep's not making any money because they make money on the sales to the distributor, not anywhere else. So there's, there's this huge system behind it, but it, it, if you're getting in front of us and you're building relationships from the ground up, I think it's going to help you build a better business and i think that's what the the manufacturers are seeing is we need to get out in front of the people that actually use it instead of just have that
1: relationship with the distributor yeah and 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 if you got these these people talented floor people all over the united states and some of them don't have the opportunity to show their their trade their talent in their hometown in montana or kentucky or where wherever they're from and uh they can network up with people like myself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it's a breath of fresh air. They're energetic. They're excited. They're ready to go. And they come in and work with you and then they fly out of town. And uh, it, it's just an awesome experience. We brought a group in just lately into the White House. And uh, not everyone gets experience working in the White House. It's a fantastic fun job to be at the, you know, at that level doing your trade. Mm-hmm. But once you get in there and you start working at basically another floor, you, you're just going through the steps as you would any other house. But uh, the, these guys come in and, and work with us and uh, I always pick up something from them. They always got some little trick of the trade or some way they do something. It, it's just awesome. I, I think it's because I, I met a lot of these guys through the National Wood Flooring Association. Okay, they've they've come lifelong friends, and uh, they basically uh, most of them are ready to go just about any time, and they have. Yeah, which which helps that. me. It doesn't it doesn't cut away from my labor pool, so we can continue. You know, you get hooked up on a uh, a, a pretty large job or. Some of these other prestigious jobs, you only have so many people you can put in there. And when these people call, they they call. You got to roll out. You got to do it. You got to perform. Every piece of equipment, we have to have a spare piece of equipment sitting there in case that breaks down. You got a big machine, you better have another big machine. You better have another edger. There's no walking out to your truck in a high secured area. You're going in there and you're staying in there until you get your job done before you walk out the door (laughs) and, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty incredible. All right. Yeah, no,
0: I believe it. Um, and I mean, that was, that was covered in, uh, the NWFA magazine. There was an article about that process of you bringing those guys in. So when did you stop? Well, I, okay. So at some point your game of, wood floors had to have changed like you said you would sit around at thanksgiving and talk shop and it was with all you know your family and locals and when did your worldview expand and how did that affect you, what you saw as the wood flooring industry so that you started building these relationships
1: when i when i joined the the national wood flooring association
0: okay and when was that
1: and uh geez. Uh it's it's been quite a few years. <laughs> okay. But what I did is I joined. When I went to my first convention, I did not know one person there. Not one single soul. And then I I started meeting people. Uh so this looks like a floor guy. Let me talk to this person. And then <laughs> next thing you know, everyone, you got people from all over the world in the United States, and they all know what you do and how you do it. And it was fantastic. Then I started uh, volunteer teaching. Then I started teaching. Then I started doing some lecturing. Then I started teaching some at the convention. And then I, I served on the board for eight years. I think I served on nearly every committee or chaired every committee of the National Wood Flooring Association. So I absorbed it 110%. Mm. And I met a lot, of, a lot of good people. And I picked up on a lot of knowledge. And that's your pipeline for the new knowledge coming in. You're not just, some people get comfortable with knowing one thing and that's it. Mm-hmm. And you can, yeah, the more you learn, the more you earn, I'm telling you, it, it's there. So if you don't know how to bend wood, bending wood might be a little intimidating, but if you don't know how to do it and you got the the thirst to learn, you can learn and you can be damn good at it. And sometimes you got to plant seeds. Sometimes you got to do a little bending around your, your market. And uh, next thing you know, you'll be known as the only guy who can do it. Yeah. And not only do you get that job that has that curve, but you get the whole rest of the job with it. We got people calling us, will you just do this curve for us? No, we got to do the whole package or we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we always try to stay five ten years ahead of the curve before they had black black stain straight out of the can Okay, looks black as your steering wheel you had to know how to dye wood and do other methods to get that color so before they came out with a product called like invisible or natural you yeah. know they got the invisible it looks like there's nothing on the floor
2: mm-hmm.
1: we were doing a, a, a what do you call it a uh, backyard chemists and we came up with our own way of doing it <laughs> years and years before it came out in a jug so when we are ahead of the curve before everyone can just go buy it we're making a lot more profit on our jobs and then once it comes in and it's in a can you know the genie's out of the bottle and you got to find the next thing you can do before anyone else can do it so if you know how to do a shrooge effect, you better master it and be very, very good at it because you can ride that wave for a few years and you're going to command a lot more money once everybody knows how to mm-hmm, do it. This, mm-hmm. the, the gig is up. So we try to stay ahead of the curve on knowledge and technology. And, and if we don't know how to do something, we're going to find out how to do it. And there's somebody in the United States who knows how to do it, and they're damn good at it. You're right. And sometimes... You got to pay that person to come in and you work alongside of them. It's not really your competition. And next thing you know, you, you got one more thing in your toolbox. That's going to make you some money. At the end of the day, you're, 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 trying to make some money. And, uh, you don't want to kill yourself out there. You know, it's like a professional football player. After many years, your, your body's beat up. Mm-hmm. So you, so you gotta either change your your MO or how you're making your money in the same industry.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want to find the easiest way to make the most money, which goes back to what you were saying before is you got to find ways to cut your overhead. That uh,
1: you, you got to build a good team around you. There you go. And I, you know, and go ahead. No, I was saying, you always got to replace your weakest link. You know, mm-hmm. we I've talked before on, we got a method called the 80, 20, Yep. You're the 80, 20. Yeah. You know, you, you don't throw away the the 80% trying to gain that extra 20. No, one's going to give you a hundred percent. Nobody, not even in your personal life. So, uh, a guy working for you or a gal, you know, you, you gotta, don't throw away that 80% person looking for that extra 20. You'll never get it, but you're always trying to find that better person. And I think if you get a better person, just the, the person. The individual, you, you, and they're teachable. It's going to be better off than trying to remold somebody and turn them into what you want them to. They'll fight it every time.
0: I, agree. you got to find someone that's going to be excited about what they're doing and and have a thirst to want to improve. And it's going to right you right like you don't want to like you said you don't want to fight them. You want them to come to you asking questions. What do I do next? How do I get better? How do I do this? They're off on their own trying to learn. That's.
1: Those are the I'll people tell you I would that, love to that, find. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm telling you, that smile and a handshake and good old-fashioned manners goes so far. It's absolutely incredible. Customers see it when, when you're excited about doing their job. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a customer, we go in a customer's house, they are paying our mortgage. They're paying our car note. They're paying our grocery bill that customer is the most people say, what's the most important job you've done the job we're working on right now, yeah. because that's, who's paying our bills at the end of the day. And, uh, if you have bad customers one after another, you got to sit back and look and see what you're doing wrong. Cause you're either attracting the wrong customers. Your price is too low. I don't know. But if you have too much work, and you're backed up six months, and you're booked up to the gills. Guess what? Raise your prices up, and you'll weed some of those out. And then your work slims down. And you got to lower your price a little bit. And then you got to ride the wave up and down. Mm-hmm. You don't just say I'm charging X a square foot, and that's it. You you, you got to increase it when the demand's out there. I don't know. What do you think? Do 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 people do that? I that's.
0: I've heard that a lot. Um, I mean, I'm booking into January right now and it's, you know, early November, mid November, and this will come out in December. So, um, that I, you know, if I get booked out six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, yeah, I increase my prices because if, if you're willing to, if I can bid it and you're willing to wait, heck man, I won. And if I don't get it, then I get down to four weeks, six weeks out and I'm lowering my price and, Coming in at like what I normally charge, and yeah, winning jobs, and then I, I, I mean, you know, I, get I, I
1: back I, out. I don't even know if people. Some people don't even write contracts or take deposits. Correct. You know, if someone wants to schedule work with us, they're going to give up at a minimum one third deposit. That assures them we can schedule it. Mm-hmm. If they don't do that, I can't schedule it. Correct.
0: There's got to be, there's got to be good faith on both sides. Like I'm going to put you on my schedule, but you need to give me money showing that you're committed to me and you're not going to back out. And if you do back out, I'm keeping your money.
1: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with asking for your money. Nope. And, and, and no, when people write contracts, I mean, you got to write a well-written contract. I mean, you could fill volumes up all the things you're not going to do, but you got to spell it out. You know what your, your basics, what you're going to do. You're going to replace the shoe mold. All working areas empty by others if you're not going to move the furniture. Uh, you know, basic things, a well-written contract just spells it out, what you're going to do. Yeah. Because a lot of people will assume, you know, next thing you know, you, you they want uh, a, a fancy stain. And you didn't charge for it. So, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing extra work, but you really should get extra money. Yeah. Just like repair work. People don't, you know, repair is additional. So you rough sand that floor and you walk that floor. And if you can find any boards that aren't acceptable, you got to ask the owner what they want to do with them. You want to replace them? Cause now's the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's almost replacement boards in every job. It's enough to pay for your sandpaper. <laughs>
0: That's a good way of looking at it. You know, you gotta you gotta find a way to stay profitable. You need to be you need to put forth the best effort you can to walk away with the best project possible. And communication is key. If you're not communicating, then there's going to be a a lack of of trust. There's gonna you know that's when people get into oh this this lady's a Karen or you know, this is, this is the client from, from hell. They're, they're just a nightmare. And honestly, you know, once again, I don't have tons of experience. I've been on my own three years, but I've only had one like nightmarish client and it came from a lack of communication about how something was going to be done. And there was some miscommunication and it led to, you know, this, that, the other thing. And I just was like, look, fine. I'm just going to, you pay for the product. I'll install it. I'm not even going to charge you, and we're just going to move on. And yeah, we'll, sometimes we, you got to
1: cut your cut your losses, and uh, you're not married to them. Correct. Get the job done. If you can read someone, and they're a stickler on time, what time are you going to be there? Short five minutes early. Just get this job done. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 if somebody needs hand holding on every aspect of the job, someone wants you to text them. Every couple hours, if, if you read that person and that's the way the person is, no sense of fighting it, just give them the information and get on with the next job. And sometimes the really tough customers are your best salesmen out there. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you because they're, they're, friends and neighbors. You know this person is very picky and demanding. And if they are pleased, this floor person must be doing a hell of a job. That's, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. The problem is we get these calls from all the jobs that say it can't be done mm. or nobody knows how to do it or doesn't want to do it. And <laughs> you get those. And and of course, the price is different. I tell people, you know what, to, to hire a cab to take you across town is a different price from jumping in an ambulance and getting across town. You know, if you got an emergency situation, you got to charge more money. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as you tell them up front what you're charging and they're willing to hire you, there's nothing wrong with asking for more money.
0: You're right. There's
1: depends on the situation.
0: Correct. If you want, you know, you get those calls all the time, right? Like I, Hey, I need my floor done. And, uh, I have the next three days for you to do it. Well, you're either available or you're not. And if you can free up a crew from some other project and and take care of it, well, this is an emergency. I'm having to shift things around. I'm going to put a premium on this to make sure it gets done on time. Maybe they have the guys have to work twelve-hour days the next three days to get it done in that a lot of time. So you can pick and choose, and it, it's your business. So just put the. Numbers on it that need to be there to make it worth your while to deal mm-hmm. with the situation. What- and,
1: and, so, and some of these jobs, the best job is the one you walk away from. You get that feeling that you shouldn't be doing it. Then you just politely excuse yourself. I don't think this is a good match. I'm sorry. And I've had people get mad at me when I tell them that. Mm-hmm. You know what? Well, what am I going to do? But sometimes you get that feeling. I shouldn't. I'm not. I shouldn't take this job. Don't take it.
0: Yeah, get out of there, run. <laughs>
1: yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's the best.
0: So now let's let's go back. You, you brought in all these guys to work on this project in in DC, and you you were talking about how you know you were raised that like we're not going to show what we're doing, but now you've got all these guys from across the country. You're talking about how maybe you need to fly somebody in. And they're really good at a skill, you know, out on the West coast, but you're East coast based and you fly them in to teach you how to do their skill.
1: How has uh, stuff uh, like
0: that changed your business? Because now you're talking uh, about exchanging the skills instead of hiding the skills.
1: We, 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 we show it all just about there, There's a few tricks we, we won't give up, but these guys that, that aren't going to take my business, we're, we're sharing everything. hmm and it's fantastic. You, you 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 got these guys like uh, uh, Daniel Boone and uh, uh, Wayne Lee and uh, Lenny Hall and, and these guys will come in and they, they got some good knowledge and they're willing to share it with you and you you you'll pick up on some things they do and everybody's going to do things differently, but no, we 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 share. We -hmm. definitely share. I must answer my phone, probably like you. I I answer my phone, I don't know, 20 times a week, people call me from all over the place. All the United States, Australia, you name it. And we all have uh, questions Mm -hmm. and we talk. And uh, I call people myself. If it's a new product and I'm not using it, there's somebody out there that has mastered it and knows all the ins and outs of it and the do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. That's who you want to talk to a back to experience. It's an expensive endeavor. So why not ask somebody that may have lost a little bit of money doing it this way or that way, but it's a fast track on the best, quickest, most professional way of doing it. And when somebody comes up with a product and I'm interested in it, I don't say just give me a couple gallons or get give me two or three names of true professionals that are using your product. I want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what they do. And then I sit there and talk to these guys and I get to know them. They know me and they call me about situations and maybe they don't have anyone they can talk to. They can't just go back to the office. Hell, my dad be 94 years old. I can come back and ask him any question I want. And some people have no one to go to. Yeah, and they may just want to bounce off some ideas. Or what do you think? Have you done this? Have you done that? And it, it gives them a little more reassurance. And uh, same people I've asked questions for. You know, you call down your buddy in Charleston, South Carolina, and he, he's going to tell you what he or any question. Yeah, how you hire people? How you fire people? How do you train people? At, at what kind of machine you using? Why are you using that machine? It's just amazing uh, the knowledge out there that we're all connected now, all over. I never thought I'd be talking to someone out west, ever. <laughs> I've never even been out west unless the National Wood Flooring Association. I barely went west of the Mississippi River. But now it's, it's, it's all open. It's incredible. You got guys from England doing wood floors, Japan, you name it. They're all on there.
0: Yeah. No, it definitely, you know, it was a game changer for me to be able to have that from the very beginning. It, my, my learning curve from going from, uh, okay, I got fired for running my mouth and now I have to run this business (laughs) because I need to feed my family. Like, what do I do has been sped up astronomically because there's it's funny. People get afraid, right? Like, like I said at the beginning, right? I fangirled a little bit because you called me and you know, you're know, you a well-known name in the wood flooring world and you're very respected. And like I said, I'm just this little guy that's, that's learning. But honestly, if I would have picked up the phone and reached out to you six months ago and you'd never heard of me and I had a question and I knew you knew how to do it really well, I have a good feeling you would have said, Hey, I can't talk right now. Can we talk about this later? Or if you had a minute, you probably would have answered my question for me. And that's the biggest thing I think that guys and gals need to know is like most everybody that's in the flooring industry is pretty down to earth and willing to help you out. Just pick up, pick up the phone, send a Facebook message, go on Twitter or Instagram or whatever platform you're on and just reach out and you're going to be amazed probably 98% of the time that they get back to you and they're happy to help you learn.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, a, it's fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that's never cleaned and waxed the floor before. And I've been doing it since I was a, just a kid and I could walk someone through it and they're like, geez, this is fantastic. I take this old floor and make it look like a sand and finish it. I didn't even use sandpaper. (laughs) and uh and it opens their eyes up and some people you know some people don't want to learn but no it is great yeah that people call all the time it's 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 fantastic i love talking floors
0: correct well that's the other thing right like you just want to talk about something you're passionate
1: about (laughs) (laughs) i i tell you it's it's there's so much knowledge out there it's absolutely fantastic And, and, you know, and we go and we call our sandpaper manufacturer or our lumber mill where they make our wood flooring. And we say, hey, we'd like to tour your factory. Mm. We want to go up there. And we take a trip there. And you're building that relationship with those people. You're seeing their whole process. And they get to know you. You know them. It's fantastic. It's great to go to a mill, how they take the logs and turn it into flooring that's you're like holy cow they they, see in the process they should charge fifty dollars a square foot for the floor (laughs) but hopefully they're not listening to this but uh but seriously it's a lot of work that goes through just to get
0: uh hold on i touched my phone and i messed everything up i'm horrible there we go sorry guys technical difficulties i touched my phone and 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 ruined it um okay so i I cut you off kind of right at the end there so whatever you finished up saying about the the i I was i
1: was asking you what what kind of sanding machines do you like running
0: uh well see so here's the thing right like i don't actually do any sand and finish work um i do luxury vinyl plank laminate and engineered hardwood so all pre finished stuff in my area um
1: well, you just cut out 90% of your problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. There's there's far less stuff when I can just look at the hey, box tell and say, you this what, is messed uh, up.
1: That LVT, I'm telling you, we, we install a lot of that. There's guys that won't even touch it because it's not real wood. It's easy money. Won't even touch it. But guess what? It, it pays a lot of bills for us. If someone's, you know, we're standing in their old house, and want their basement done mm-hmm. or their art room. Why not? You're there. You could do a good job. It's it, uh, and, and they've come leaps and bounds. There's some very realistic floors out there.
0: Well, yeah. And it's, look, either your company is going to make the money or they're going to have to go hire somebody else. And if they have to hire two contractors, maybe the next guy's willing to do both. So now you lost the sand and finish job. Uh, look, I, I get the argument, right? It's not green. It's petroleum-based. It's going to ruin the dump. They're producing this stuff. It's not going away. So you can either make your money or you can continue to try and shove products on people that they don't want. Yeah. I, I, I don't uh, know. That's that's my take. So love me, hate me, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So I did uh, – Actually, when I started, I – I cold called uh, what was this like five and a half years ago maybe I cold called like thirty contractors in my area that had wood flooring in their business name from my uh, local state contractor registry and basically said hey, this is who I am I took wood shop in middle school and high school I know how to use tools I'm looking for an apprenticeship. Two guys called me back so I did sand and finish for about three months and I you know I nailed in a couple floors. I used, uh, I palm sanded a lot. I was told to scrape some corners, um, use the trio a few times and I, I was starting to learn how to edge, but for the most part, like I wasn't doing any of that stuff. It was slow going for me. (laughs) So I, I, if you give me any of that equipment, I will probably mess up the floor.
1: Well, that edger will put, we've had many a helper come in and their mom called the next day and said they they're sick or they got to go to the hospital. They've <laughs> never worked so hard in their life, but I guess like anything, you you, you get used to it after a while. Yeah. It, uh, most people, if they weren't born into it, they, they, they very few were going to get into it. Yeah. But once you get into it, you kind of love it. I so, well, and that uh, was it.
0: I, I I did love it. The guy just didn't have enough work to keep me busy, and twelve dollars an hour wasn't necessarily feeding my family very well. And so, his work dried up, and I went to somebody else, and they only did the pre-finished stuff and fake stuff, and that's what I learned, and that's what I was able to go out on my own with. So, I mean, I would love to learn, but it's hard to go and stop making six figures a year and go back to waking twelve dollars an hour. So. I'm trying to. That's I'm, true. I'm trying to get those processes in place
1: so that well, I that can NWFA go learn. Is, <laughs> NWFa is a good place to to start. Correct.
0: I'm. I'm waiting. I. I'm. Jason Elquest is hopefully going to be able to hold some classes at his shop over on the west side of town in Phoenix. Oh, he's so. fan,
1: he's fantastic. We got old saying when we, we're repairing a floor for this doctor, and uh, we got the repair done, and he said how much? We said that'd be twelve hundred dollars. He said, well. I'm a doctor. I don't make that kind of money. I say, well, either did I when I was a doctor. <laughs> the floor guy got back to working on the floor. So, uh, I, I think the trades get a get a bad deal in the United States. Uh, you know, they're not. But I think that's changing a little bit, especially with uh, some of these absolutely incredible floors people are making and doing.
0: I hope so. I really do you know, I, I, <laughs> it's it's coming back. Uh, it is. It's just a matter of finding, you know, I, do you have trouble finding young help that'll stick around longer than a week, two weeks, a month and actually like invest? Cause I've seen you, you've posted and you seem to have a few young kids working for you that appear to like be on a great learning track to become amazing craftsmen. But
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. And most of them, um, are either sons or family members or someone's cousin yeah. and some of them last, some of them don't. Uh, but you're always trying to try to, you know, some of these guys are, some of these guys are, are, are getting up there and, uh, and I'm one of them, <laughs> but, but you know, some of these guys are working into their seventies and, uh, it's tough. And, uh, But that's why I think it's good when you can recruit talent. Maybe you don't have them on your payroll, but you pick up that telephone. Mm -hmm. You can call that person in uh, New York or Connecticut or whatever, and they're willing to come work with you for whatever you negotiate out, uh, fair wage, as long as everything's square, and they come in, and they're all about business. They come knocking on down. And guess what? You might have to bring a couple of those guys in and you just hang with them mm-hmm. and you learn. It's like a private class. You learn. <laughs> and if you already know the trade, you, you're just you only have so many crews. You can only schedule so much work. But if you have a bigger labor pool of talent that are willing to come in, mm-hmm. then you you're gonna increase your profits at the end of the day.
0: I agree. You got to be willing to, uh, you know, guys in New York will team up to take on huge high rises of apartment buildings, right? Like one company with a couple crews can't take on a high rise of apartment complex, like, you know, floor after floor after floor when they got to be done quickly. So you've got to know who else is in the area that you can trust to do a good job. And they'll call them up and three, four companies will work together to bang out a large job. And you're doing the same thing at the at the White House.
1: And you should know your your fellow uh, your fellow floor guys. Uh, they always come by our shop all the time. We're in the middle of DC, so they if they need something, they come by and borrow it, you know, or, or, or buy a little finish or sandpaper. But when we go to a really super high profile job, if you worked in the White House twenty five times, you know it's a great honor. 100% or the vice president's house or the Supreme court. But sometimes it's also honored to give someone the opportunity to work their talent in a place like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And it
1: means a lot to me. It means a lot to them. And it's, it's fantastic to, uh, to give someone the opportunity and they're so motivated. It's, it's insane. Fantastic. They're ready to go and they're giving you, they'll work you to death.
0: Yeah, well, and, you're giving uh, you're giving back to them as much as they're giving back to you, right? Like you gave them an amazing opportunity, but they're going to give you a hundred and ten percent on the on the project, hopefully, because they're excited to be there. And you know what? It it. it
1: it makes it a fun job. It makes it, it, you know, everybody's happy, everybody's working together, everybody's, you know, putting all the resources together, and we just knock it on down. It's it's just fantastic gives me a chance to see these guys cuz it's like we're going on vacation every month with them gives me a chance to uh catch up and talk to them and uh especially some of these fan not not only just floor people also uh a lot of these manufacturers have very talented people working for them and and they're willing to send these people mm-hmm. which would I mean it's just uh it's a good thing for everybody
0: I agree. Uh, now when you're doing something like that, are you setting up like this is the process that we're going to use on this floor? Or are you letting everybody kind of do what they're used to doing as long as
1: uh, we, we, gotta, we we got to, we, we got to, we got to get a battle plan and okay. we talk and mm-hmm. say, this is what we're going to do. This is the basic way we're going to do it. We, we don't micromanage anyone. Everyone's pretty much a professional cool. and, uh, and we, we, we get it done at the end of the day. Everybody's got a little bit of a different opinion. But, I mean, I, I get calls. Uh, uh, my buddy, John Urema, he, he's a fantastic floor guy. He's trying to get me to go to Malta and Dubai and all these places. And uh, I, <laughs> I'm not I, – I can't go that far away from home. i, I got to stay right around here. But, you got to uh, find
0: a better manager, Sprig.
1: Come on. <laughs> I tell you, I, I'm not, <laughs> You know, it's it's but you get to know these people and they they bring you along as well. And mm-hmm. uh it'll be a fun fun trip one of these days. I did go go to Germany to see where they made some of these machines and uh that was a fantastic trip.
0: Okay. Did you, you did the you won like did you you have to enter to go to Lagler, right? And and like it's it's you and your spouse going to go, and you have to like fill out like why I love Lagler
1: and how I use your machine. I, and, I guess I can, that's where or... where it, it I mean we we got one of the first ones they ever sold over here. Okay, machines, and uh it, it was it was fantastic. I mean that when I say that piece of two and a quarter strip, that little skinny piece of wood is. Brought me all over the world and the United States and put food on my plate and and had my family living comfortably all Mm. for that little two and a quarter strip. Flooring. And uh, it's blossomed into all kinds of things. But uh, I tell you, if somebody comes to Washington, D.C., they give me a call. I'll I'll be there. They can come by and uh, come by and see me. Awesome. Always have time for a good floor person.
0: I bet. I bet. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's actually a, a really good segue because we're uh, at about time. So if anybody w- does want to reach out to you, where can they? what's the easiest way for them to find you or what, um, you know, phone number, email address, online, like where, do you, where are you hanging out? How to, can people get a hold of you? Yeah, you I, I,
1: I phone number uh, 301-370-6851. That's my phone number. I don't email as much, which I can. You can reach out on Instagram. I'm dyslexic, so I really don't read that much. I work better with my hands, and I'd rather talk or text. Okay. Uh, I've probably sent out three or four emails in my life. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I graduated from college on Saturday and Monday morning. I was standing on the floor. So, uh, uh, everybody's got different situations going on, but I prefer someone to text me okay. or call me, feel free to, we, uh, we'll spread the word brother. I
0: love it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insights.
1: Um, I'll see you in DC sometime. Oh, Yeah.
0: I, you know, I gotta, I gotta find a way to build my machine out here so that I have time to go travel around and meet everybody because that's all I want to do at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: That's all the time we have for this week. To keep the conversation going, head on over to the Floor Academy Facebook group. Be sure to subscribe so you can hear each and every episode. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and most major podcast directories. Don't forget to leave a review and let us know what you think about the show. If you would like to be a guest, have questions or feedback, you can email us at flooracademypodcast at gmail.com. You can help support the show by becoming a patron over at www.patreon.com slash flooracademy. Remember to learn while you earn.